0: Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and we are here once again to cover more acts of vengeance. And I'm going to let Brian explain what book we're going to cover today. Hi,
1: I'm Brian Hughes, and I'm Tim's buddy. I'm his pal. I'm his friend. And that's why he doesn't feel the need to introduce me properly. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) anyway, is that passive aggressive? I can never tell. I think Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't don't mean to be that way. Mm. Uh, I just need more caffeine. And we've been doing this for a while, so it's not like I can just get another shot of it going right now. Yeah. Okay, so we're smack dab in the middle of the Acts of Vengeance that we're doing at the Mary Marvel Marching Society and the uh, Fire and Water Network, uh, where we're covering the entire Acts of Vengeance. Third Degree Burn, of course, is covering all the John Byrne-related books. And we are on Avengers West Coast number 54. Now, if you want to see all the other ones, you're going to have to kind of follow the roadmap. Hopefully, we'll be able to have that in the episode notes to let you know where all the other shows are. However, you don't necessarily have to go and listen to all those if you just want to listen to the burn-related stuff. But I would really recommend that you do go and check out the other ones. There are a lot of really great podcasts out there that are involved in this, and I'm let's see if I can... Uh, name a few that are a part of this. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Back to the Bins, doing the Avengers Spotlights, Coffee and Comics, the Comic Book Time Machine, Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, at Derek William Crabb, uh, and, and, and others. Fire and Water Podcast Presents, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Jeff and Rick Presents, Unpacking the Power Pack. Did Power Pack do Acts of Vengeance? Maybe they went up against the Galactus. I don't know.
0: there there is there's a power pack in there
1: somewhere uh justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast the long box crusade make ours marvel married with comics resurrections and adam warlock podcast rolled spine podcast and views from the long box so we got a lot of podcasters involved in this and i would recommend you check out all the various shows like i said we'll try to include links uh there in our, our program notes Uh, And otherwise, you can just shoot us a note, uh, you know, uh, gotta get burned to gmail.com. And we'll see if we can respond to you in a timely manner, let you know what you're missing. So we've uh, so far, we've covered, of course, Avengers West Coast number 53, where we saw the UFOs attack the Avengers. Uh, We saw Wanda in a constant catatonic state, except for a few moments there. Um, And we see that the Avengers have to split up to go ahead and help their their the rest of the party on the East Coast while the Avengers staying here on the West Coast are uh, dealing with the aftermath of the UFOs' attack. So, we look at Avengers West Coast again, issue number 54. It has a cover date of January 1990, an on-sale date of November 7th, 1989. Cover price of $1. Page count of 32. That's 22 pages of story, 10 pages of ads. Editors Howard Mackey. The writer and penciler is John L. Byrne. Inker, Paul C. Ryan letterer Bill Oakley, colorist Bob Sharon, editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco. This is, of course, in print, uh, reprinted in Avengers West Coast, Darker and Scarlet, trade paperback, and the Acts of Vengeance omnibus. Uh, also coming out in January 1990, along with this Avengers West Coast, we had classic X-Men uh, number 43, The Fate of the Phoenix. That, of course, is a reprint. Uh, the Avengers number 313, Thieves Honor, which John Byrne did the uh, writing on what the number six and what was that title tim uh acts of smacks of vengeance vengeance, yeah we gotta cover that i I think you're right and wolverine number 20 miracles uh let me see is there anything else yes we got a synopsis and the synopsis written by who is this guy brian hugues no uh oh that, that was me excuse me all right synopsis goes like this the mole man cries attack and the massive beast Giganto comes from underneath the Earth into noontime Los Angeles, causing pavement, cars, and people to go flying in different directions. Other people try to run away. Meanwhile, Wonder Man is flying about L.A. looking for the recently departed UFOs, see last issue and our last episode. When he sees the Mole Man's massive beast, Iron Man also sees it and determines it is the bigger threat. Pushing his armor to its limits, Iron Man flies under the beast and lifts it off the ground. The U.S. agent shows up on a sky cycle and suggests that Iron Man just kill the beast. Iron Man instead drops it into the nearby Pacific Ocean, but not too far offshore. He then uses his repulsors to create a wave break so the shore doesn't flood. Back inland, Wonder Man finds the hole that the giant creature came out of just as the original Human Torch flies up to offer assistance. The two travel down into the large hole, the torch providing light down there as they move along. They travel at least a mile when they discover they are not alone. They are attacked by an army of underground monsters. Wonder Man wonders where they came from and why they are attacking. A voice cries out, Because it is my will that they do so. The will of the Mole Man. At that moment, on a Quinjet flying west west, back to the Avengers compound, after the events of Avengers 312, Hank Pym and the Wasp wonder what to do with Wanda now that she is catatonic again. Before they can determine anything, though, the Quinjet comes upon a giant, flying, three-headed creature that is not a version of Ghidorah, but Tricephalus. The Quinjet's autopilot was able to avoid the front legs of the beast; however, one of the hind legs roughly shaves off the top of the Quinjet. As the crippled jet quim- uh, Quinjet plummets, Hank and Jan argue about how to get down safely. Suddenly, though, some unknown force grabs the Quinjet and lowers it safely to the ground uh, near the ground. Hank then offloads the catatonic Wanda into Jan's arms as he gets into position to take on the giant flying beast. As it swoops down above him, Hank applies his patented Pym Particles, say that three times real fast, into the beast, causing it to shrink into tiny proportions. At Hank's command, Jan flies off towards the nearby forest ranger station to alert them to the situation. Lurking in the shadows by Hank, though, is Magneto. Who else do you think brought down the Quinjet? Was a lot like yeah, X-Men else? 2, wasn't it? <laughs> Loki observes from his lair and pats his own back for the ingenuity of manipulating the six largest egos on Earth into these acts of vengeance. He turns his attention again to Wonder Man and the Torch as they confront the Mole Man. The Mole Man tells them that they are at fault for attacking his underground realm. The Torch tries to explain that things are not as they seem. The Mole Man scoffs at his attempt. Meanwhile, Iron Man and the U.S. Agent are still dealing with Giganto, who is heading back to the land. The Agent does some aerial acrobatics with the help of his Sky Cycle and uses its jets to blast Giganto in the face. Giganto just swats at the cycle, sending the Agent falling towards the beach. Iron Man, of course, catches him before he lands. Back underground, Wonder Man makes a stand against the Mole Man by offering to let the Mole Man blast him with his staff. Simon does this to prove the Avengers mean him no harm. To him or his realm. Mole man blasts him, but Simon gets back up and lets the Mole man blast him again and again and again. Finally the Mole Man decides he will withdraw and reconsider the events. He blows his whistle and immediately Giganto stops heading, stops, and heads out into the water, deep into the sea. Iron Man drops the agent into the water and follows the great beast as it's already gone down and made another massive hole underwater into the earth. An hour later, the team all turned, returned to the compound, and talked to the East Coast team over a vidphone. They determined that the other attacks are going on, uh, the uh, that other attacks are going on to other heroes, but they do not seem to be as coordinated as the ones against the East and West Coast teams. This leads Hank Pym to the conclusion that someone is out to destroy the Avengers.
0: Dun dun dun! That's right, somebody's out for them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they're a tough team. I mean, they got tough guys on it. Golly. Yeah. I, you know, I tell you, of course, um, the cover of this issue is a recreation of Jack Kirby's first Fantastic Four cover. With Giganto coming out of the ground. And, of course, you then saw the Fantastic Four strewn about. Well, the only one, of course, looking like the Fantastic Four is the Human Torch in this one. But uh, still, it is an impressive cover uh, with everybody on there. Though... One thing I noticed through these books, does it seem that the colorist has a hard time trying to determine what color U.S. agent's costume really is? Because sometimes it's gray and sometimes it's blue. Well,
0: I think it's supposed to be black, but the way they're doing the highlights is trying to hint that it's black. And sometimes they use blue, like they do in folks' hair, and sometimes it's gray. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you think this is the most homaged cover Well, we were
1: talking about Uh, that uh, recently with uh, Back to the Bins, because, I mean, as far as homage covers go, this is definitely one of them. Amazing Fantasy 15, uh, Fantastic Four 249, which is the gladiator holding Fantastic Four. We saw that in the Superman comics, Superman number eight. And that one has been done ad nauseum. Days of Future Past. Of course, Wolverine and Kitty Pride standing in front of the water and posters is also one of those that's that's greatly homaged. Now, this one has been homaged by Byrne several so times. many times that, of course, it, you know, just adds on to it. The other ones, uh, you know, the X Men one thirty five is it, uh, where where Cyclops is holding Jean, kind of the La, the La Pieda pose.
0: Kind of that
1: kind of a last stand pose? The, no, it's one where They're, where they're
0: backed up against the no, wall? No, the one where the Oh, Cyclops, well, I, I get yeah, you. He's held
1: and, and George Perez yeah. did it for Crisis. But you can see there's actually an old issue of Thor where Odin is holding Thor like that. Uh, that's from at least 10, 15 years before that, a Kirby cover that uh, is that very same, that that pose. And that, of course, is one of the uh, often homaged. But this one right here, yeah, it's o- homaged a lot because it is the... That is the first story of the real Marvel universe, the one that that, that that we know and love today. The six one six.
0: Well, he, and he's even uh, trying to mimic the dialogue because Iron Man says it'll take more than rubble to keep Mar- Iron Man out of action, <laughs> and I think Reed Richards says it'll take more than ropes. Yeah, and uh, and even the Wonder Man is the thing, and his dialogue is very similar, and. Uh, I think uh, one uh, Jan's dialogue is very similar to Invisible Girl, but Hank is in the position of the Invisible Girl, so I, I, I like the U.S. Agent where he tells them all, "Just shut I, up and fight." Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I really like the handling of U.S. Agent uh, in all this. I like the, the handling in this better than I like in Captain America.
0: Um, I can't remember. Does he have the Does he have the super soldier serum, or is he just a guy?
1: Okay, he was one of those guys, if you remember, there was a Class 100 wrestling ring, mm-hmm. and Dr. Carl Malice and other guys were souping people up and giving them superpowers so they could participate in this or right. other clandestine, you know, things. And uh, so he got that his powers through that, if I remember correctly. Okay. And then he saw that, you know, he, he then started his... Um, uh, media machine where he came out as a super patriot, and was constantly challenging Captain America as you know who's the sentinel of liberty for this country, who should be the real Captain America, and and, and he was very much Guy Gardner of the uh, Marvel right. Universe.
0: That's a that's a, that is a great analogy because it does the way his dialogue is written, he's written a lot like Guy mm-hmm. Gardner, mm-hmm. but it, good point. but
1: not. Comical, like Guy Gardner and Justice. No, Laker.
0: no, no. Just more of a, uh, more of a kind of a rough. Not as uh, well. What we would say, not as PC. But he's not as uh, uh, he's kind of, a, kind of a, a rough and tumble kind of yeah. a, kind of guy. And he was Cap for a while, wasn't? Yeah, Cap, Cap had his- Cap
1: uh, basically resigned from being Captain America. He didn't want to do the bidding of a government that he didn't um, agree with. Yeah. And yeah, so Walker came in and he became Captain America, and it's it's funny because you saw, you know, and this is what Gr- Grunwald did right, is that you know Walker then tried to aspire to the ideals that Cap held, and he couldn't. He he realized he couldn't, and I mean he at one mm-hmm. point at one point did fight Cap, who was wearing at that point the U.S. agent. But in the end, he's the one that gave Cap the shield back and says, you're the guy that should be, you know, carrying this. Right. And, and, right. and you know, he, he's obviously gone through some stuff and he's still not over it. Obviously, Burns, you know, shown a couple of things in here uh, with him where he's, you know, talking to his dead parents in his room. Um, you know, John Walker's not necessarily all there. But, you know, we don't get to see much more than unfortunately, because Burns only in it for another four or five issues. Right. But dog. we did see in the last issue that he, or I'm sorry, in this issue, that he's got some harsher ways of dealing with things. He feels like you can just go ahead and kill something outright rather than, you know, try to maybe find out if this is all a misunderstanding.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought that was a nice nod to uh, early FF when he says this could be an, a confused alien. It could even be an infant, which I think is uh, um, harks back to the infant terrible.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's what inspired uh, J.J. Abrams and them for Cloverfield, because they they often said that the monster that attacked in Cloverfield was an infant Mm. of of its race, and so it was just confused and didn't understand why it was being attacked. Now, to underscore that, we look at the very first page of this issue, and it is a wide close-up, it's not a wide, but a close-up shot of of the mole man and he is, you know, of course yelling attack attack. Um, and even though there's not a background there, that is amazing detail on that face. That's
0: that's a great I mean it's you got a little spittle on his on his teeth and he's just, he's got his little squinty glasses on and, and he's and all his uh, his ugliness is just in he your
1: may face. Have a case it's of a great gingivitis thing. here. It looks like his gums are pulling away from his teeth. He should see a dentist. All right.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just he is. It's a great way to start the story because yeah. it's just you know use turn you know well. Yeah, because one you got a great cover, then you, you see you know the mole man right in your face, then you get some nice shots of uh, of L A. Well, the, and some there's a two page there. There's a
1: two page spread, and this is one of my little frustrations with the, the Kindle version because I'm looking at it in the Kindle version because it's a very good uh, uh, reproduction. The problem with it, though, is that when you get to these two-page spreads, it's too small to read the text, hmm. and so I have to go to the CBR to be able to see it blown up. Yeah, see, so it's a double page.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see, mine's split, so I'm seeing it. Sp- I have to flip, even though it's a two-page spread. I have to flip. Now it.
1: that's Rodeo Drive, isn't it? That very first top left um, panel. could be.
0: I've been I've been down Rodeo Drive, and I don't know if that's that's could be it.
1: Yeah
0: been too long since i've been in la but uh the guy that's with the woman that says the ground is trembling tom
1: scarrett
0: i know <laughs> it looks like that should be somebody like it, burns drawing he, he looks like I tom scarrett
1: back in the 80s <laughs> you know right right after top gun
0: yep and i do like the guy with a note with the no batman shirt that's right yes because <laughs> <laughs> this is about the time batman uh that, you know batman 89 yeah. was, probably was out
1: it was now. out uh oh. it'd been out for actually the videotape was already being sold at Christmas.
0: Okay.
1: So and that's... and remember, that was the first one of the first videotapes to have the $20 price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I feel bad for the guy that's behind him and the woman there that are running away from the pavement because Giganto is, like, right up on top of them, just kind of, they're not going to they're, they're yeah. make
0: it. They're, they're not going to make it. They are absolutely not going to make it. Uh... Which is funny because, you, you know, it, it looks like it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I'm drawing, uh, you know, it's, it's basically the Batman symbol with a red circle and slash through it, but it wasn't too long after this that he went and did a Batman story, mm-hmm. didn't he? The, just a couple, ten, couple months. of many so. deaths of Batman. Yeah. So. It
1: Well, he just did one last month.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he I think that's just... Of course, he's, Yeah, he's, uh, that may have just, have just been in, a. Just uh, in that may,
1: yeah, I was thinking it was bat- black and white, but black and white was later in the '90s because that was more in line with with um, generations. So this had to mm-hmm. have been like a single page kind of thing, like he did in Batman 400, where he did a splash page. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'll I'll have to look look on that further and, and see if I can figure something out. But um, if you look in the left side of the the bottom panel, there's a a guy running there. No, I can't. No, nah, he doesn't have facial hair. I was gonna say, yeah, it could be John Byrne running away from it, but no, no, definitely not. Size so back then, he liked to draw himself in the lumberjack shirt all the time. Mm-hmm. But somebody is wearing some really stylish boots on the far left. Look at those boots! All you see is the legs. Oh, those.
0: those <laughs> kind of cowboy boots. Yeah, but it
1: must be yeah. rattlesnake skin or something. I'm surprised they do not have spurs Come on. And on
0: um, the one woman that's running from it almost looked like the Scarecrow Witch. She's got red boots, a red skirt. A red yeah. bandana,
1: a red jacket. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that the other day, but I just realized... Well, it's not definitely not the Scarlet Witch. It's just somebody that's very no. stylish and red. And then the, just somebody wearing the woman red. on the far left is almost like Maggie Sawyer with longer hair at the mm-hmm. very front. Those
0: big hoop earrings. Yeah. Those huge hoop earrings, yeah.
1: Yep. And again, the the, the, the Tom Skerritt-looking guy has got some blonde woman who is wearing, I guess, tights. Maybe she came out from an ex... Well, this is L.A., so... Uh, yeah, and look at and
0: she's got an iHeart L.A.
1: shirt. Look at the bracelet she's got on her, her uh, left arm. It's just huge. That's hilarious.
0: Well, they're all, they're all sporting those huge sunglasses, too. So it's Jared Byrne's always been, yeah, we've always said this several times, he's always been very stylish. You know, His clothes always look of the period of what he's drawing.
1: So. Yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't, since it was 89, 90, that he didn't draw like Richard Gere and Julia Roberts, because that would have been right after <laughs> Pretty Woman, too. Anyway, so the next page we see Wonder Man flying around town, and you could almost hear the screech of tires when, when he sees the when he's, yeah, when he's stopping and he's got his legs stretched out front and the rocket's pointing the other way. <laughs> and then of course Iron Man comes in and he's like, okay, that's the bigger uh, the the bigger thing to deal with. And then he he says in there that his capacity is about 85 tons. And that you know from the uh, micro servo motors in his armor, and he's able to lift eighty-five tons in the air. Now that, that basically, that's jet propulsion force, is what he's doing. And his armor alone is able to push with enough force to lift that thing up in the air.
0: And that, that that's the problem I have with this. That thing is more than eighty-five tons. Well, I think that
1: thing is way more than eighty-five tons. Well, it have to be because it came out of the water. So even if Oh, no, it came from the ground. That's right. Ground. ground. Okay. I was going to say, if it's water, it's going to be retaining water. Uh, you know, because everything does.
0: Maybe that's why he's cranky. He's retaining water. <laughs> um, but I, I think this is obviously a dense creature, because it's having to uh, burrow up through the And it can do ground. so
1: instantly without any kind of uh, yeah right. drag. It seems so to do effortlessly. I, yeah,
0: Yeah, that's just not... That's just almost like picking up a solid piece of something. So I don't... I don't I mean, I'm sure Iron Man can lift that much, and his boots can can propel that much. I don't, I don't buy how uh, the thing's way more than 85 tons. So that was a little unbelievable. Um, but you know, maybe if 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 uh, Wonder Man had gone under there with him, because I know Wonder Man's into class 100 ton range. Mm-hmm. But and I, don't uh, how, so, and I
1: don't know how Wonder Man's Jets would not have been able to.
0: Right, they they were ripped off his belt probably, yeah. But, yeah. Um. It just gives us a nice little dialogue between Iron Man and U.S. Agent about you know he says just kill it you know like he said and he said, no 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 we don't know what this thing we don't know why it's here let's, let's find out first yeah
1: now the um, um, the people on the beach at the bottom of page eight is it uh, don't they seem a little old to be playing on the swing set
0: yeah I didn't understand that I don't know I didn't know if that woman it's flinging is like the guy got distracted and pushed her too hard or. Was she? Because the, the woman on the left looked like she's in a evening
1: gown. No, no, she's in a a, a bodybuilder's bathing suit. Bathing okay. suit. Yeah, so maybe this is like mostly. Yeah, feet. that's what I was thinking. Because you got the lifeguard stand right there. Yeah, You know, he's trying trying to push that idea, but yeah, the the woman on the swing that just seemed really really bizarre. But then again, it's L.A., so hey, you know, go yeah, go with it. Here. <laughs> but dropping the. Uh, him into the water and then of course using his repulsors to create that breakwater there that was kind of weird why didn't he just drop him a little further yeah drop it deeper water
0: maybe he was taxing and his then
1: uh it goes underwater and digs deep well I, i'll get back to that i mean first we see wonder man finding the big hole where he came from in the first place the first
0: hole it came up from right
1: and the, and he and uh, the torch get uh, attacked by all the, the various underground monsters which, uh, the, you know, there's, those are all like 1950s type monsters and I love the fact that Burn makes them all differentiate from each other.
0: Yeah, I think he does, this is kind of a, him paying homage to, I think, Kirby, because Kirby would draw that kind of stuff, and he, I think he loves doing these kind of weird uh, subterranean creatures. Um, this is where the inks get a little bit dark for mm-hmm. me. And it may be just the scan I've got, but uh, it's pretty heavy on the black, so you it's you can kind of you can tell what's going on because the the torch, which is nice, he's nice and bright well, red. Uh,
1: Paul Ryan seems this, to like lighter scenes. I think that he does his better inks on the lighter scenes. Sometimes to the point mm-hmm. where things can. I, I don't know why, but the colorist has a tendency to whitewash when Paul Ryan's around doing doing artwork. But maybe but, um, yeah, it, it definitely he he seems to thrive better in in lighter scenes these definitely get a little little muddy
0: yeah a little yeah. bit and even on the the next scene where they're on the Quinjet, when they're looking at wanda oh, and wasp all was in tech another tech new costume him. no yeah well she's got back to i think the one she had on right in the previous issue which no, is she's got a head the covering the last
1: one was of course they were on the east coast and she was wearing the one she kept sticking in the camera that had a lot of purple mm-hmm. on it so that's the fourth costume so far and yeah. then, of course, they come up to that gigantic, what is it, tricephalus? Sounds like something to be shot for.
0: And that's from, uh, uh, that's from FF1. That's the, the first, I think that's the first creature they're attacked when they go to Monster Island. I think that's when Reed lassos it and throws it in the water.
1: Now, is this supposed to be um, the same Monster Island that housed Godzilla? No, 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 no. That's, are are oh, you okay, sure? Because, like, in the Herb Trimpey <laughs> comic, they also had a Monster Island.
0: Did they have Monster Island in the, in the Marvel gods? I believe
1: so. I believe so. I could be wrong. Nobody had to ask Luke Giaconetti.
0: Yeah, and I've listened him cover those books. I know they had a they had a base where the Shogun Warriors came out, or Red Ronin mm-hmm. came out of. Um, I don't know if it was uh, because even in the even in the Toho series, there's two different Monster Islands. There's one where the monsters were contained mm-hmm. as you say, in Destroy All Monsters. And there's another one where they just live there. You know, they're they're you know, uh, you see that in uh Godzilla vs Skygan when um Godzilla and uh Angulus are talking to each other and they, they
1: oh and
2: they decide God to, that was to that was help.
1: physically painful to listen yeah. to that. Now I remember <laughs> oh. But that was such a bizarre movie with cockroach people and yeah. I mean, I thought it was cool. *Gigan* was actually the first one that made Godzilla bleed, that mm-hmm. I recall.
0: That's when they were. It is. That's when they were kind of lifting some of the limitations on some of the violence. But that movie's also notorious for it. it's got uh, a huge amount of um, stock footage from other films. Yeah.
1: But if you want to see a lot of kaiju blood, watch where of the Gargantuas*. Green Gargantua gets torn up by the mm-hmm. lasers. If you can't tell, that's my favorite kaiju movie. <laughs> Anyway, so uh,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I love this scene where that his Tony has ripped the, rip the uh, yeah, ripped the, the cover off of the uh, Quinjet, the s- peel back. That's yeah, that's that's a great. How many Quinjets have been shot.
1: destroyed in the last ten issues? <laughs> because uh,
0: it's like Voyager. Their shuttlecraft. Because we
1: saw. I mean, th- this one obviously gets trashed. We saw one get blown up. We saw one get crushed in Dallas. Uh, I mean. Avengers got to be running low on Quinjets at this point.
0: Well, they lose another one later in the the series when Magneto crumples it into a ball. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's their space Quinjet.
1: Can you imagine clipping uh, the toenails on that thing?
0: I think that's what's so great because the toenails are drawn so yeah. well; they look like, and it just you know, and it's not even attacking them. They just can't duck under it, and it's just uh, raising the top off. But I guess this Quinjet could be repaired because Magneto saves it when it right. He lowers it to the ground, and then, and, you know, Pam has to get out and um, shrink this thing. And, and I, it makes you wonder what happened to this thing now that it's, you know, the size of a bird. And that that expression on Jan's face, she's just so amazed by, what, by what's happening. Yeah, but the, this,
1: this, this segment, though, the, where the Quinjet's going down, and all of a sudden it just flattens out while they're trying to figure out what to do, it flattens out and stops. And I, I knew in that moment that it was Magneto. Yeah. but they've yeah. got so much going on they, they can't even consider that that they you know that he tells her to take you know go to the, the ranger station and he's gonna he's gonna take on the, the thing tricephalus I did like the, the perspective from the ranger station but you figured you would see smoke coming from where the quinjet was well, I don't know if the Quinjet is... doesn't
0: seem so much that it's smoking, it's just kind of disintegrated. It's just yeah. pieces are coming off, like the top's just come off
1: of it. Yeah, but that thing is a uh, gigantic fuel can. I mean, any kind of flying jet me. is a gigantic for fuel can. You get torn up like that, you're going to get a spark, you're going to get fire, you're going to get smoke.
0: Well, honestly, once that thing rips the top off, they're not strapped in. Wanda is, I think. They'd be blown right out of the top of that thing
1: right. but and, of course, we um, see Magneto hiding off in the shadows.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is odd because Hank says, uh, well, Jan says, you know, you know, Hank, did you do that? He goes, what, me? He goes, some sort of magnetic field, grabbed us and, and uh, set us down in one piece. Uh, he's still holding the Quinjet, yet. And he says, I think it's got something to do with the uh, the monster. So he, wh- why wouldn't he immediately, magnetic field, why do not you immediately think of Magneto? Yeah. Or maybe he thinks this creature's doing it. I don't know.
1: But it's just uh, him protecting Wanda.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just yeah. wants to because he's got you know he's got. But plays they're out not. Later. He's get...
1: They're not playing you know suspect of the moment or anything. They're not worried mm-hmm. about that just yet. Now, this next page, 18, when you see Magneto standing there in the woods, is it the inking or the coloring that hurt this image? I, I, I don't know if it's the inking that actually is causing the problem here. But it almost looks like it's done in Crayola.
0: I don't. I don't get that. It's a, it's a little heavy on the blacks. I mean, it is, but it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be in shadow. I know, but it, it looks uh, like,
1: uh, it looks like it came out of a heavy metal magazine rather than a comic book. Mm-hmm. This this whole panel is very it is muddy to a point, but you can see, like in in the Loki image, that you know the detail on the line and everything is there.
0: But even it's a little... This whole page is a little heavy on yeah, black. So yes. With the black around Loki, uh, and then down the, the bottom panel with the Mole Man. That's. Um, it's because all these creatures have... But he's creating so much texture. Yes. And all these creatures and in the, the cave wall behind him... You that, think
1: Ryan you know, it, just wasn't works. capable of, of handling all that?
0: It's not, it's not bad. It's just I think it's a little... It can be done without... Uh, and it may not help that it's, it's colored in kind of some dark, kind of purplish grays and some dark blues. Yeah, the
1: trees are really done um, bad.
0: They're dense. They, they yeah, don't look good. They're they're dense. Um, my question is: Okay, Loki is spying in on Magneto. He sees that Magneto has basically saved uh, the Quinjet. Now, if if uh, of course he's more reacting to. Uh, I guess he can he can tell what Magneto is thinking because yep. um,
1: yeah, and he, so you he can,
0: think you know he yeah, so he's responding to Magneto's thought bubble. But if Loki wants to destroy the Avengers, then w- wouldn't he be upset that Magneto is not did not allow them to just crash, or is he just allowing that play out, still thinking that he's got all his little pawns working for him, and they're all going to do at,
1: at this point. What he wants. At this point, he hasn't experienced a major failure. So he is am- amused with the events, thinking they're going to lead to his victory, and so he's not going to he's he's not going to be upset that they prevented that crash. Now, soon enough, when things start to go south, yeah, you're going to see a little bit more desperation from him, as we'll see coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, he does. He did. He he throws some tantrums. Um.
1: Yeah, but uh, at this point, we get back to Wonder Man. And the Mole Man and Wonder Man asked him to explain himself, and he basically says how the Avengers <laughs> caused everything to happen, and he started the attack in retaliation.
0: Yeah, it's just like the UFOs. Yeah, were, you know, same thing happened to them. They thought uh, that
1: something happened to them, so you know, he decided to, to strike back. Yep. And now back on the uh, the beach, um, the uh, or back in the water, though, Gigantos decided to start heading inward. And US Agent, of course, he's uh you know, wanting to do something, you know, pretty tough. Well he basically gets his sky cycle in front of him and blasts it in the eyes mm-hmm. and is trying to go around for another turn and it swats him out of the sky like a bug. And I don't see why Iron Man caught him from splashing in the water only to drop him again <laughs> later. <laughs> Well, he
0: didn't save the Sky Cycle, so I hope this, that Sky Cycle did not hand it to people at the beach that are below, that are looking it up. It probably
1: went into a self-hover mode. That
0: makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. If it
1: recovered from the SWAT. The WAP. Yeah. The WAP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back underground, Wonder Man is you know, fighting off all the things. He's got his shirt torn like Captain Kirk. And at this point, he decides, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Go ahead, hit me. And he lets him hit him a total of four times with his staff to show that he is not going to fight back, that, that mm-hmm. they are not the aggressors here, and that Mole Man has been manipulated. And so Moleman agrees that things are not as they seem, and he needs to, to, to back off to reconsider. And uh, he calls back his creatures, including Giganto, using that whistle. And it turns out to sea and goes down in the water and does its own imitation of the green gargantua.
0: <laughs> I love how the moment when he's when he's uh, zapping Simon, it's got f- three distinct. sets sa- first, it's Zack, yeah. Then it's Zik, and then it's zapped, and then it's Zik <laughs> z- Yeah. So I'm not that's him increasing the, uh, the 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 power level because he says I don't think he's using it at full full power. But isn't it speculated that that uh, Wonder Man is basically immortal because he's just basically a being of ionic yes. energy? Yes, but... So I don't know if that's really hurting him or not. I mean, that's why I'm sweating. But
1: yeah, but think of him kind of like Captain Adam. You know, he he his skin is basically a containment suit for, for the ionic gun. energy. If his skin were to be yeah. pierced, he could be dispersed. And I think that's what happened to him in later issues so that uh, George Perez and Kurt Busiek were able to bring him back later. But... Uh, hmm. And then he was such ionic energy he turned purple and he had all the Kirby crackle around him. Oh, he yeah, was no I re- longer yeah, while yeah. he was humanoid shape, it just like a humanoid shape of energy. So yeah. Right. And you can you can see as Byrne is drawing him that he his some of his expressions are less human than they used to be. It's like Wonder Man is slowly changing as time goes on.
0: Yeah. That would have been an interesting uh, plot Point. If he was, if he was like slowly kind of losing his humanity. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is he looks. I just realized this. when he's got that. You know, you were calling it a white beater. He's got that tank top on. He's got that slick back hair. But doesn't he look a little bit like tallow
1: from well, Superman number well, one? yeah. Because he's got those yeah. strong high cheekbones, mm-hmm. and the the non human yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the uh, Giganto goes down and. Big, you know, digs a deep hole into the ocean, yet the ocean doesn't drain.
0: Yeah, I thought that that would cause a problem,
1: <laughs> unless it's maybe that it's filling in. Maybe
0: the dirt's kind of filling in behind him as Probably. he digs. So that's just a deep hole, not an yeah. actual hole that would drain the ocean. And then,
1: of course, the last page is uh, a confab with the Avengers. Uh, you know, at the West Coast compound, they got Captain America on one vid phone.
0: It's a Skype yeah, lady. and then
1: who's the the woman on the left? That's a news report. Okay, that's right. they are uh, watching the TV. Yeah, because you can see Clark Kent up on his own report above her. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, let me take a look at the, uh, the Kindle version because it's definitely clearer than the CBR. And I just wanted to see that double page and I forgot to go back to this. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a little clearer. Yeah, it's definitely a Clark Kentish kind of thing. But uh, I like the fact that, you know, as you look at different angles and you see Captain America from his angle and the vision is on the other side of the monitor. And then when they go back to Hank Pym in the Avengers West Coast, you see Quasar and Cap is is behind Cap. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, Hank Pym, of course, is the one that gets to make the big statement that someone's out to destroy the Avengers. And uh, Acts of Vengeance continues in uh, Captain America 366. Avengers Spotlight 28, Quasar number 6, Avengers 313, Fantastic 4 336 and Iron Man 252 and concludes. Next month in Avengers West Coast 55, don't dare miss The Breaking Strain. And Third Degree Burn mm. will be covering that in our next episode. The one that is Tim and Me, not the one that's got the interns. They got their own books.
0: Yeah, they get their own book thing.
1: report. Well, it's- <laughs> I think it's interesting that they're kind of
0: starting to piece together the, the some of the, the attacks that are going on in other books like Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. They seem to be uh, more random and less organized and that's when they kind of piece together that maybe those are kind of a distraction or kind of trying to uh, more as a cover to that that Hanks would say they're out someone is out to destroy the Avengers and they're maybe attacking other uh, superheroes to kind of make it seem like everybody's gonna attack but it's if they kind of piece together that it's more of a, a concentrated attack on just the Avengers um, and that's why I think they would look at who is uh, you know who is our main you know who's our main bad guy you know
1: yeah because I know in so, Iron Man he had um, what the wrecker and then who was the other guy that attacked him he was somebody I really Con- didn't recognize the controller well he, you know Captain America had the controller controller but uh there, there's a guy who's in a red guys. outfit with uh like a blue circle on his chest um and I cannot remember who it is for the the life of oh yeah that's a uh, com- uh Chemistro? yeah yeah Chemistro. that's correct
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm not I've, I've got that book and I've read it but I don't recognize that guy at all. He looked a little bit like uh not the living laser, but he looked a little bit like uh Thunder Thunderball. Maybe. And that's
1: funny because Maybe. I know in the previous issue, Roadie had made a call to Thunderball. Because you know, Roadie and Thunderball had fought when Roadie was Iron Man. And mm-hmm. at some point Roadie and him uh buried the hatchet kind of. But acts of vengeance brought back in the wrecking crew somewhere. I don't know who they went after. It would seem likely for them to go after say Spider Man. But, uh, Rhodey called him and basically trying to see if, uh, he could help him out. And he goes, uh, that's kind of a conflict of interest right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, th- the thing is Dwayne McDuffie was doing a lot of writing. I think he was doing the Avenger spotlight as well as Iron Man here. And, uh, he was keeping a good bit of continuity and he definitely didn't use characters that, uh, that didn't make sense. So, uh, I, of course, you know the, Dwayne McDuffie passed away a, a number of years back, and he, he's one of those writers that's uh, really, really missed. Mm-hmm. But all in all, this issue is great, con- uh, great continuation of the story. Uh, a lot of gigantic stuff going on. I mean, I, and I, 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 I say that without hyperbole. You know, uh, Giganto and the tricephalus, these gigantic monsters, and Burns one of those artists that can actually give you that size. Without making it seem wrong, um, you know, bringing bringing the giant type characters and such. Uh, still found some issues, but I think it had more to do with inking and coloring together rather than just one thing.
0: Yeah, and he does it. I will say this: for you know, you're right. Burnt does a good job of he can add a lot of scope. Yes. Uh, and 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 to. But there's not a lot of big panels in this. It's it's uh, some of it's five panel, some of it's six panel. Uh, but he still—you don't lose the, uh, especially that scene with the Quinjet being raked over by the yeah, that was because amazing. because that gives you an idea of how big this thing is compared to the Quinjet. Right. So that, and that's just a single panel in the center of a page. So he does a good job of. Uh, 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 Kirby was good at that too, of kind of giving you a sense that, and he does a lot also with height. You know, uh, when when Agent is falling, you get a sense of how high he was. And that's a sense of you know how tall this this um, this creature thing is. So now, uh, yeah, other than you know the some of the inking we said is a little dark compared to the previous issue, which was a different anchor. Uh, and so that some of Burn doesn't—it's not as much Burn to me comes through this. It's got a little more, I guess, of Ryan on mm-hmm. it than Burn, or you know maybe it's like a 90 or something. Uh, I, not unhappy with it, but I thought the art was a little better in the previous uh, the previous issue. But still, this was a, just a fun. And the Mole Man's always fun because he's always kind of, you know, I don't even call him A level; he's B or C level. He's never really he se- never really seems a threat. He's more seems more misunderstood to pity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's more kind of pitiful than anything else. So it's interesting to see him go up against uh, the Avengers. This is one time where I think trading the villains. Uh, as short-lived as it was, you know, worked out, but a fun tissue.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, I think we've done good coverage of this one. Um, We'll be back not too long with the final episode of our acts of vengeance participation with uh, Avengers West coast 55, let there be an ending. Uh, And so uh, I'm looking forward to it. This has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what the other guys put together on their episodes, especially the interns. should mm-hmm. be uh, Should be interesting, but then again, I've glanced through those Wolverine books. I've never actually read them because I never had any real interest in the whole patch character routine that Wolverine was doing as that series started.
0: I've, I'm sure I read them. I don't. I, I, it's been thirty years ago, so I have no memory. Uh, of them like this book uh, the, I read this yesterday and the first time I've read it since it came out in 89 so yeah
1: I mean again that was Archie Goodwin stuff so I don't know how Archie Goodwin writes the character you know if he had Wolverine's voice you know there's some guys that had the voice you know Byrne has it Claremont has it had, had it to a point um, but do you know and, and I know that Ann Chenty wrote some stuff of his that was a little off Danny O'Neill wrote some stuff of his that was a little off um, but it'll be interesting to see. So I, I'm going to have to pull some of that out. I don't know if I just want to stick with the burn books, but or if I just want to start with number one where it was Basima doing the art because that you know looks gorgeous.
0: It was. And I, I've got the first 20 issues. Now was
1: it all John Basima, or was he doing breakdowns and then Sal or somebody else was coming in and finishing it? Oh
0: um, gosh, I, it's c- not I can't, can't remember. Palmer. I thought it was. Uh, I don't know who was doing his inking on it. I know on burn is klaus jansen yeah. so it's got a little it's a little more dark and sketchy well, it,
1: it, and definitely on, on burn side it looked like he um he just did breakdowns and let jansen do most of the finishes
0: Finishes. so it's it's yeah.
1: rougher than his normal look and well it could be i mean
0: he was he was doing a, i mean you think of the books you listed earlier he was doing he was busy yeah. during some was producing a lot he was not only writing and drawing that's a lot to pump out for one mm-hmm.
1: man so Okay, let me... I'm going to take a look at at the Wolverine thing here just because I'm curious now. Wolverine, Number one. And that was from 1985? 86? And it doesn't even want to show me anything from that era. This is Mike's Amazing World. What's going on here? Because it was just Wolverine, right? It didn't have anything else in the
0: It was just it was just called Wolverine, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh there's havoc and Wolverine Meltdown.
0: Well, I I know in here according to this issue fifteen was Basima and Sienkiewicz was doing the inks. Oh wow. Yeah, it looks like that was back I'm kind of going through here, so it looks like yeah, it looks like Sinkavic was um was
1: inking Basima yeah you know he was doing work from nineteen forty nine all the way up Good golly and then let's see I'd forgotten that Peter David wrote some of these. I forgot that he uh, that, wrote. that should be interesting i think peter david he went a little feral with Wolverine's character um you know when you think about his appearance in the Hulk um his Wolverine wasn't as he wasn't at the same point developed the way Claremont had developed him to yeah. that point. And so, I don't know. So yeah. Well, Claremont, oh, wrote it. Well, Claremont wrote
0: a Claremont bunch of Claremont wrote things.
1: it. John Basima, Al Williamson, who, uh, he did the inks on the, the Star Wars series. But he did, no, he did mm-hmm. the art on the Star Wars series. He did the inks on Starbrand uh, when John Romita Jr. was doing it. He was doing yeah. it. But then John Basima and Klaus Jansen uh, and Al Williamson seems to be. And then, oh wow. Um, there's a couple issues there with uh, Joe Fix It, and John Masima does yeah. all the art. So now I'm going to have to pull those out. And those are written by Chris Claremont. I'll have to pull out. I just didn't care for the whole Madripore storyline or, or, or patch. It just. It, well, I never understood. I mean, I read
0: it, but I never understood the idea of him. Needing to, in, in a way, it may it makes sense that he because he is so long lived, which we have not established this yet. But if he is as old as, as he, we've established, that he might take on different personas. But to to because if he's pretending to age or he's moving from place to place, he may pretend to be different people. Yeah. Uh, the patch thing seemed more like something Batman would do. Didn't, didn't Batman have a patch? a character he he, he he had several
1: um, different different ones that he would do yeah when he's when he's
0: trying to get information or something like that so that felt more like why would wolverine and then
1: you're thinking of the reporter frederick foswell i think also had a yeah a a character named patch but uh
0: well he was the was he yeah yeah because he was and he turned out to be the leader uh, uh, of the uh he was the leader of a gang of thieves or something as i don't know something like that
1: he had he had multiple identities and and ultimately he died a hero yeah Yeah. was that spider-man amazing spider-man 50 to die a hero
0: no 50 is when he takes his suit off and throws it in the trash Uh,
1: somewhere around there i'm not going to dig on that one because it's just you know anyway (laughs) i think we've covered everything here you want to tell them where they can find us and write us and
0: yeah, we're we're we've got our just search for third degree burn on Facebook and that's where we get a lot of our uh we don't get a lot of feedback there but we get a lot of people posting but uh we've got, you know, a couple hundred members and you know we're always looking for anybody if you want, you know, if you want to have access to our shows when they come out cuz we post them there. That's a good place to search or if you for. You want us. to
1: discuss John uh, Burn in an in a equitable yeah. fashion.
0: <laughs> right, right. No. Yeah. don't
1: you know, what, whatever you want to
0: discuss, you know, and it's a good place to leave comments on our show there. Mm-hmm. Or you can write us at gottogetburned at gmail.com. We, uh, we're always happy to get emails from anybody. Uh, we haven't had one, I think, in a while, but it would be nice to uh, drop us a line. Let us know if we're – you know, if you think we're doing something terrible, let us know because then we can course correct. You know, we without any feedback, we don't know if we're doing something good or bad. Um, and we have a Twitter account, but I don't think we use it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not – we're not exactly Twitter savvy, but – uh, Facebook and our, our Gmail account is the best way to get a hold of us.
1: Yep. Alright, well, uh, we'll be back uh, in a few weeks with the, the final chapter of our part of the Acts of Vengeance with West Coast Avengers 55, and we'll just say let there be an ending. <laughs> For Third to be Burned, I'm Brian Hughes. Who are you? I'm Tim Elliot. He's Tim Elliot. <laughs> I'm Tim Elliot. Excellent. Take care.
2: just want to watch the world burn.
1: There was an idea
2: to bring together a group of remarkable people.
0: To see if we could become something
1: more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts.
0: That they never could.
2: In time, you will know what it is like to cross over, to feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Reddit. Run from it. March 2021. Still alive.
0: Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew.
2: Ooh, a cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah.
1: Make it warm. Thank you.
2: Sun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this (laughs) does put a smile on my face. The hell are you guys? Do you know it's at
0: all? The Merry Marvel Marching Society.
2: We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event, Axe of vengeance.
1: A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before.
2: An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast Longbox crusade married with comics the quantum cast resurrections an adam warlock podcast rolled spine podcasts and views from the long marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021 act of vengeance a true story